doctor tell us one time that you don't know how big the club of people who've had a miscarriage is until you're a part of that club. Uh, it is something that happens to a lot of families. A lot of people don't talk about it or discuss it, um, but you do find that there's a lot of people that will come around you once you're in the midst of a tragedy like that. So I'm Life Talks producer Britt Nipper sitting in with Pastor Dan Burrell, and that is what we're going to be discussing today is um, surviving miscarriages. Yeah. Britt, this is something that's very personal. It's personal for you and me because we both experienced mm -hmm. it. So this is going to be the first of two episodes. Today, we're going to just talk about the issue of miscarriages. And then secondly, we're going to do something that I don't think I've ever discussed um, publicly, and that is the impact of a miscarriage on a man. And again, that isn't because we, you know, men men experience a loss like this differently than a women mm -hmm. than women, and it is it is physical and emotional and spiritual and everything else for a woman. But for a man, it can be different for different different reasons, and we rarely talk about that. So we're gonna we're gonna have a whole episode just on that with a friend of mine who's written a book on the topic. But today, what I really want to just talk about is the, the fact that you know, like you said, it, it's a club nobody wants to be a member of. Um, we hear more about it today simply because people find out they're pregnant sooner. Mm -hmm. It uh, you know. It, in, in years past, sometimes you didn't know you were pregnant until, you know, eight or 10 or 12 weeks in, and you may not even be aware. You may just think it was a delayed menstrual period or something. Um, but today it is it is more frequently discussed. Um, there's a lot of controversy going on right now because of the recent Dobbs decision. And, and tragically and exploitively, I might say, that uh, the pro-abortion um, groups are are trying to overlap miscarriages with abortions mm -hmm. in some ways and make them similar, which I find just patently, patently offensive and uh, irrational. But um, Well, I think even the language, and this is getting a little off topic here, sorry, but it's the language used in a miscarriage. They use the word abortion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that even gave me pause when we were going through that. It they you know they use that word abortion because the baby was already gone. We'd already mm -hmm. lost the heartbeat. There was nothing mm -hmm. there. And so in order for my wife to pass the baby, they they referred to it as that term. And even mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, let's slow down a little yeah. bit. Are we sure the baby? There's no like right. let's go through our due diligence here. Right. So I think they're confusing those two and they and are. trying to force believers into feeling guilty for that word. Yes, and um. Usually, not always, but often if you have a miscarriage, it's followed up by um, another procedure called a DNC, uh, which basically removes any remaining portions of the placenta mm -hmm. and so forth from the womb. Um, and it is the same procedure that you use in an early abortion um, or similar to it at least. And, and so that's one of the reasons why they like to do that. The other line is if you have an ectopic pregnancy. An ectopic pregnancy is when the fertilized egg attaches inside the fallopian tube rather than in the uterus. And what happens is as the baby grows in the fallopian tube, the fallopian tube ruptures. And there is no way that a baby can be carried to term when this happens. Mm. It is not going to live. But if the fallopian tube ruptures, um, it it, w it will kill the mother unless it's addressed immediately. So usually when they find out that a baby is ectopic, stuck in the tube, and they realize that, it, and, it, and the, if, if it has not ruptured, they'll go in and remove it. And they have to remove a section of the tube 
Um, and because otherwise the mother will bleed out. And you say, well, Dan, you seem to be pretty knowledgeable about this. I am because I almost lost my wife to an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. Um, but even then we stopped the, the doctor and he was really frustrated with us because uh, I mean, I'll never forget. I was, you know, 26, 27 years old and he looks at me and he goes, Mr. Burrow, right now I'm just trying to save your wife's life. And I kind of pushed back and I said, I understand that and I appreciate that, but we need to, un- I need to understand. I've never been through this before. Um, is there any chance that this baby can survive? No. Is there any chance, you know, I said, what will happen to my wife if we try? She will die. All right. So at that point there, you know, a belief in life says I'm going to protect whatever life I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to protect my wife's life. Um, and, and so they're very, very rare. Uh, there's certainly, you know, a very small percentage of, miscarriages, but they are the type. And what you see is a disproportionate amount of attention being paid to that by the pro-abortion crowd who want to make like all miscarriages are ectopic and they're not. And But that is technically an abortion because abortion simply means to stop, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it stops the pregnancy. Um, but sometimes it's a natural, you nat- they naturally abort. But he- here's the deal. Um, not every, every uh, conception uh, results in a live birth. Um, and at any point during those nine months, something can go wrong up to and including the process of birth. You know, our doctor, who wasn't a believer, but he told us it's more mi- miraculous that a baby's actually born than it is that it ends yes, in a miscarriage. Yes. He said it's amazing what has to go right in order for that baby to be born. Yeah. And as we understand science more and the mystery of God's design, uh, the, the more real that becomes. Exactly. The truth. But here, here's the deal. The, the, the Bible tells us that before we were, while we were being fashioned in our mother's womb, while we were being knit together, even before then, God knew. Mm-hmm. God knew we were going to be born. God knew about us. And, and that life began at that moment. Whenever the sperm united with the egg, a zygote was formed, this, and, and whether you call it a zygote or a fetus, after the, after the spark of life has occurred, at that moment, it becomes precious to God. You know, people ask me all the time, well, when does the soul, does, does the Lord inject a soul? Does a soul uh, develop alongside, uh, you know, these are questions we don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. But I'm going to know, I, I do know this, that all life is a gift from God. Thus, it is important to God. And we must treat it as sacred. When we quit treating life as sacred, then we are we're outside of God's design. So if all life is sacred, then it's reasonable to believe that there ought to be a sense of loss when that life does not continue, whether it's before birth or after birth, or even at the end of 70 or 80 years. The reality is life is a gift from God, and we appreciate it for as long as it is. So miscarriages cause trauma and turmoil. Dreams are lost. Prayers that we thought were going to be answered are not. Um, it can cause a myriad uh, types of it can cause myriad types of responses, emotional, spiritual, physical, and and it is something that we should not ignore. I think there can be some embarrassment there too uh, at times. Uh, I know that's something. Uh, my wife and I we 
told everyone early with our second yes. second pregnancy. We told everybody early. We were very excited, and that ended in miscarriage. And we did have people ask, like, why would you tell people so early? Why were you telling people? And you know what it did? It gave us an opportunity to share the gospel with people. It gave an opportunity to say, we're trusting in the Lord. This is His This is His work, you know, and we're trusting in His plan. This wasn't this wasn't the time for whatever reason, but it gave that open door for us to, to push through. Um, you brought up the soul. Mm-hmm. Where is that baby? Yeah, and <clears throat> again— um, we we have hope in the gospel. We have hope, and, and the only source of authority we have is Scripture. So I believe, um, based on what the Scripture says, that even a baby that is that passes away before or during birth, uh, the soul goes to heaven to be with God. Um, you say, well, explain that. I can't. I, I don't <laughs> because God has not revealed that to us. Yeah. But yeah. we do know that in in the examples of Scripture that he knows us before we're born. He puts us together specifically. Uh, we know that when David lost his baby at birth, that he mourned and then he stopped mourning because he said, I cannot go to him, or he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. And so at that moment, he recognized where that baby was. So it's those those truths that we cling to to provide us with comfort in that moment and, and certainly, you know, I like to think that I've got three little ones up in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you say, well, that's emotionalism. Okay, give me that, will you? Will you let me have that? Um, and, you know, when I get to heaven, whatever whatever I discover there, I'm going to be great with because that was God's plan and God's will. Um, but um, I, 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 what productive um, outcomes are we anticipating by um over speculating, I guess, on on that. So yeah, the scriptural I, evidence would indicate that the the baby is in heaven. Yeah, and that goes with like the if you, I mean, if there was a, a miscarriage, you you didn't see the baby, so how are you going to recognize them in heaven? Right, you know, right. people say that. So yeah. we should do a series on questions pastors can't answer. That would be a fun. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. <laughs> but you know That'd what? Be a though, long I, one too. yeah, I've I've been asked that same question as well, and uh, I go back to the fact that. It would be great to see them and hopefully recognize them, but I'm going to be worshiping Jesus in heaven. That's what's going to be number one. That's what's going to be important in heaven. Um, So let's transition into dealing with the parents when they've gone through a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. How do we provide comfort? What are maybe some things we shouldn't say, some things we should say? What what can we do to help? Yeah, and— you know, sometimes I, I think we focus too much on what I should say, and in the process, we say too much or we say something that's more harmful than God helpful. needed another angel in oh, heaven. Oh, that one, I'm, I swear. <laughs> I will burst into flames if I hear somebody say that in my presence. But, but I, you, you know, it's not about what you say. It's the fact that you're there or that you've reached out. So just simply say, I'm so terribly sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. We love you and we're praying for you. And really, that's that's sufficient. Um, what we do not need to hear at that moment is your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that is often, I mean, this is so true. I go to hospitals all the time. Somebody will come in and this person's just had major surgery. And the person that comes in, the first thing they would do is tell them about their major surgery. Um, and it's true about miscarriages. So, so someone's had a miscarriage. I don't think it's inappropriate to say, we've experienced what you've experienced. And we just want you to know we hurt with you and we love you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go. And, and explain all the gory details. You don't need to tell them how long you carry the baby. You don't need to tell them, yeah, and the next time, man, it worked like a charm. Um, mm. You know, those kind of things. And I, and we experienced it personally, yeah. you know. Uh, we literally said, ah, well, you don't have to worry about this. Everybody loses at least one. 
Well, that doesn't wow. that doesn't make that doesn't any, help at all. No, no. Uh, others would say, uh, "What you need to do is adopt one. As soon as you adopt one, man, you'll start popping them out like a puppy." Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, <laughs> and I've seen people literally make comments to like uh, to a woman who had complications uh, with her miscarriage and had a full hysterectomy, but chosen not to tell people. And yet mm. they're saying, you know, so it, 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 none of that is necessary. All that is necessary is to be there, to express your sorrow. And to love them, and one you know, get, make a meal for them, um, plant a tree, uh, and and say, hey, just I just want you to know, I'm planting a tree in my backyard, and and I've you know, I prayed when I put it in, and I said this tree is going to be our memorial tree, or or whatever, you know, just something. It does not have to be, um, you know, dramatic. It doesn't have to be unique. It just is just be simply and loving. Yeah, I like the idea of of not sharing too much, but at least letting them know you've been there because that helps to to provide empathy in a way of like, yeah. hey, I do know they know what I'm going through because they've experienced, but they're not sharing their whole story. They're letting me sit where I'm at and just saying, hey, we're comforting to you. We've survived it. You will too. And some people will say, oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you? Or more more likely, they'll reach out to you later because I think it's important to follow up with them. Um, there's a couple of key times, but after they, you know, if they have to go in for a DNC or whatever, the night they get home, you know, make sure they have a meal. Have somebody go by and clean the house. I think that's there. very important. And that's something I've noticed through us having our miscarriage, through having three kids and just other things happening in life. Everyone can say, hey, let me know if I can do something for you. Let yeah. me know. It's the people who actually just do it. They don't even ask. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm bringing you a meal. Not, can we bring you some food? Because yeah. especially me, I'm going to quickly say, no, we don't, we're fine. We don't need yeah, anything. Always. But the people who show up, who come, who just do it, I think that's huge. And it's mm-hmm. something that, that's taught me, uh, just do it. Just go ahead and yeah. do it. And if they don't want it, they'll tell you and listen yeah. to them. Yeah. If this, now's not a good time. Okay. But I'm going to talk to you next week or, or yeah. do it in, in that term. Um, but another really important date is when the baby was due. Mm-hmm. Um, because you say, well, I don't want to bring it up. Oh, they're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They know in their heart when that baby would have been born. And and they're going to grieve. Just like somebody who's lost, you know, a child or a parent or a friend grieves on the day of the anniversary of that. You know, I, every year on my the anniversary of my dad's death, it's been 38 years, uh, 39 years. And um, and I, I think about that day. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't want to, but I do. Uh, the and, and, and so... You can acknowledge that. Just drop a little card. Say, I'm thinking about you today, or I'm thinking about you this week. Um, just want you to know I love you. You don't even have to bring it up, but they'll know yeah. when you said that. Yeah. And so those kind of thoughtful expressions provide comfort and, and so forth. Um, the other thing I, I would want to just kind of stress in that is this. Everybody mourns losses differently. We're going to talk about those differences between men and women in a minute mm-hmm. when we uh, – well, in our next episode. But, um, but understand even individually – uh, some people will be very emotional. Some people will will, will recover qu- more quickly. Um, somebody who has other children that are distracting them, and maybe this is their third or fourth uh, child and, and the next person America, will, will do it differently than a person who's been praying and, and hoping for a baby the first time. Someone who is struggling with known infertility mm. is, going to, is going to respond differently than someone who does not generally struggle as much. Um, and, and again... I, I think if you're going through that, just acknowledge that. But the other thing is don't become bitter. Um, and I think this is a conscious choice as well. I've known people over the years who, after they lost the baby, they would not go to anybody else's um, wedding shower. 
or uh, baby showers, baby shower, yeah. uh, or or um, you know, it became. I think that's a sign that some unhealthy um, trauma still exists. And then I would urge you need to go get some counsel. Mm-hmm. You need to, you need to get some some um, therapy of some kind to help you work through this. You may need to forgive yourself. You may need to forgive God. You may need to you may you know. Not that God needs forgiveness. I want to make sure I don't get into heresy here. <laughs> don't get angry with God. Don't get angry with God, right? Um, and and learn to accept, you know, His sovereignty in our lives. All all the different things that we learn in the midst of heartbreak and grief, you may not have processed it well. And sometimes using a partner to process that helps. Um, so just be aware and talk. Here, the other thing too is, and I was bad at this. There were other things. I, it's just so personal, and I don't even want to get into them today. But. Um, you know, my wife and I grieved quite differently, um, and it was difficult for us to communicate it, about it. Um, and that's my fault. That's on me. But uh, the the reality is, you need to do. A, how are you doing, honey? Mm-hmm. Um, and and vice versa for the wife to say it to the man. How are you doing, honey? Um, uh, and and pray with them and talk to them and offer to go to counseling um, and. And make sure you don't make the same mistakes that unthinking people make by saying, oh, well, next time will be easier. No, they're, they're not ready to hear that. So, guys, be really sensitive to the emotional. And remember this, that if a woman has carried this child for any time at all, her hormones have started adjusting to that. And there's going to be a period of very emotional responses mm-hmm. that are hormonally related as well. Yeah. And I mean, it, there's even when a pregnancy goes full term and you have the baby, there's still this moment of, you know, maybe one to two months where the male, the man just doesn't adjust to that baby right away. Mm-hmm. But the female does because it's just her natural God given mm-hmm. motherly instinct. So she's already more connected to that child. Mm-hmm. So in the case of a miscarriage, the man hasn't had any interaction Mm-hmm. But the female has. Mm-hmm. She's had that baby this entire time. Yes. So I know for me and my wife, we definitely grieved differently and experienced it differently. And she she's a lot more emotional than I was because mm-hmm. I just didn't it just didn't seem real at mm-hmm. the the time. Not the miscarriage, but the pregnancy. You yeah. know, because there there was no physical baby. Right. And and the other the other thing too is a lot of times the man, and this isn't sexist, this is actually I think it's a, a godly response, is you're interested in protecting your wife. So you go into a protective mode, and sometimes men mistakenly think, well, if I bring it up, she may cry, and if she mm. cries, that means I caused it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you, ha- you have yeah. to be aware of that. Sometimes it's good to cry. Um, and if she doesn't want to talk about it, most wives have absolutely no problem telling their husbands, I don't want to talk about mm-hmm. it. Um, so, you, you know, you work through that. And in the end, it can cause you to understand better. Uh, you will have experienced a, a a loss together that has the potential to draw you together and closer rather than to tear you apart. But if you don't handle it right, it'll tear you yeah. apart. And I was going to say, would you speak to that? Because I'm sure you've seen that in your experience over the years of, of a miscarriage ripping a marriage apart because it wasn't handled very well. Yeah, and I think we have to be, be careful of that because <clears throat> the reality is it's no one's fault. Um, the, the reality is, is that, uh, we, we are not two people, we're one. So if one in the marriage is hurting, the other person has to be hurting or mm-hmm. should be hurting as well because you're so connected. Uh, I would rather bad things happen to me than happen to my wife any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm protective that way. And I think many men feel that, but do you ever communicate that to you? Um, just love on them, just hold them, um, reassure them, be sensitive, be gentle, be long-suffering, be patient. All these things are gifts you give to your spouse. Well, Dan, uh, thank you for this conversation. Uh, Again, it's something that a lot of families experience and go through. And me and my wife didn't realize how many people, even within our family, 
they don't speak about it until you say, hey, we're going through this, and they do come forward. So there there are a lot of people that have struggled with miscarriages, yes. and a lot of people that will come alongside you and support you and care for you and love you. Um, just be open and honest. Be open and honest with your spouse about what they're going through, the emotions they're feeling. And in a in a, a certain percentage of miscarriages, it, it becomes the first step in a journey of infertility. Mm. And understand if you struggle with being able to have children, infertility, don't go through that alone. There are other people around you who have experienced that. There are support groups. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your uh, the counselor on your church um, and ask them to connect you. There are great books to read on the, on the topic. Uh, but, but make sure even if you're going through a journey where you're struggling, maybe you get to a point where the doctor has said to you, you know, you're going to have to have a hysterectomy or both your tubes are blown or, you know, you're not producing sperm. Um, and, and at that moment, and so now you start considering, well, will we remain childless? Will we adopt? Those are important things to to not navigate alone. Mm. There are ramifications. So, uh, you know, God built a community for us. It's called the church. You lean into the church, lean into truth, lean into your relationship with God during this time. You'll never regret it. It really is so comforting to know that we're never going through anything alone. We're not the first ones to experience it. We're not going to be the last ones, and there's always a community around us. Well, we're almost out of time. Uh, up next, as we said, this is a two-part series. Up next, we're going to have a, an interview with uh, Dave Dietz. He wrote a book called When Men Have Miscarriages, so we're going to do a phone interview with him. So make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, watch the videos on YouTube if you can. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, make sure you check out Life Talks and subscribe so you never miss an episode. That does it for this week. I will catch you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.